Well, good morning. Uh, I am Jeremy Bauer. I'm one of the pastors here at Countryside Covenant Church. And happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. And, uh, and just like what was mentioned earlier in the service, uh, last week I, I preached on the life of Moses and his spiritual resiliency. And we saw the positive outcomes of when Moses turned to God. And we saw when he turned away from God and he turned to himself and allowed his emotions and his feelings to dictate his actions, that there was negative outcome uh, that took place. So we're going to look at the Apostle Paul this morning in his life. But first, I kind of wanted to share a little bit of a testimony uh, about me. And uh, when I was a young child, I did not know how to go to God for comfort. I didn't, I, I didn't know how to experience uh, his care, his love, to, to, to have that as a feeling. Something got disconnected, and I don't necessarily know all the reasons behind how or why that happened, but as a child, I didn't really feel like I was understood. I was very rebellious. I mean, early on, like very early on in life. And I didn't feel like most people got me. I didn't really feel necessarily totally connected to my family, even though I grew up in a loving two-parent Christian home. And I knew that I was loved by them. And we went to church every Sunday. We got to go on vacation during the summer. It was a good, it was a good life. But something was just disconnected with me. And uh, because I didn't know how to go to God to receive comfort, I turned to a lot of other things, a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms or ways to soothe myself when I had strong emotions. And some of those uh, emotions led down to bad decisions. And so when it came to adulting later on in life, I was still struggling with ways to find comfort in God first. I went to a lot of other things and a lot of other people to try to fill this void that I, I felt like I was experiencing in my life, and it caused my parents uh, some grief. It's, it's caused my current family to experience grief as well, but there's a struggle still that, why can't I go to God first um, when times are difficult? Well, I started researching uh, this topic on spiritual resiliency, and I was looking at young people's lives, and I was wondering, you know, these coping skills or the lack of coping skills that our young people have today, and I was wondering, man, what is it in their life that, why can't they seem to, to have answers or, or seem to have good coping mechanisms today? And I think that their life reflected my life in a lot of ways, and so I was, became very passionate about wanting to not only develop my own spiritual resiliency, that spiritual strength through the Holy Spirit, but also to help teach this to other people. And as dads especially, it is our job to ensure that we teach this to our kids, to model it in our community and for our families as well. It's, it's critical. Well, I'll just tell you up front, Spoiler alert, Jesus is the solution. Okay, that's the, that's the end of the sermon, right? Jesus is the solution. That's all you really have to know about this whole topic, right? We have to learn to go to Jesus in difficult times, and we have to learn to go to Jesus during times of joy, during times of celebration that Jesus really wants to hear from our lives, our whole lives, not just the times when we need his help or seemingly need his help. 
during times of celebrations, during times of disappointment? Well, we have to begin developing this early in life. And so parents, as an encouragement to you, we have to help instruct our kids to have the skills to learn how to go to God, to go to God in prayer and through various other spiritual disciplines so that we can find comfort in him first and foremost. Last Sunday, uh, we talked about, or I talked about Moses and, and a little bit of his upbringing and how early on he was, uh, he was raised uh, away from his biological mom in many, uh, for many years. And so for the Apostle Paul this morning, he also uh, is given us a little bit of insight into his, uh, his growings up. And so we look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. The Apostle Paul is explaining to his readers, Look, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, and as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on law, faultless. Wow. That's a pretty great uh, synopsis of his upbringing, right? He, he had, uh, that was the summary, everything that you needed to know about Paul right there. But then in Acts chapter 22, verse 3, he says, Look, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, uh, but brought up in this city. And I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are here today. And I struggled over those two words uh, in the first service too in this whole week. So I'm like, man, I, I don't know how to mess up these names. And I was like, well, they're not going to know. I'll just breeze through them. And then I'd be like, well, that's how it was in the Greek, you know, and you just believe me. But anyway, the Apostle Paul was taught by the top instructors, the top teachers of the law of his day. And that's why he mentions him in this part. Just like Moses, he was born in a position to where he was going to be raised and had the expectation perhaps placed on his life that he could achieve greatness. Something special was going to happen with Paul. He was also a Roman citizen. He had every opportunity to excel. The Apostle Paul was so well acquainted with God's law that he went around persecuting Anything and anyone who stood against God's law, which included the Christian church, because that stood in opposition in his mind to the truth of God. And so not only was he persecuting, and that means that he was throwing people in jail, and he was also overseeing the murders of Christians early on, right? That's what was going on. His passion for God. You see, he was a zealous person. Early on as a child, this was one of his characteristics, one of his character traits. He was a zealous person, a passionate person. And when he meets Jesus along the road to his time going to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, everything changes for Paul. He realizes something is now different about what I have understood about God, and now it has been revealed through Jesus Christ as God, and now my passion and my zeal for God is even more so than it was. It was like pouring gasoline on an already raging fire. He knew the truth of Jesus Christ now, and now that matched up with what he understood from what he had been growing up with knowing his whole life. And almost immediately after his conversion, or his calling, Right? He is then persecuted by those people he had been hanging out with his whole life. 
the very same people that had his back, that encouraged him, that he was the, he was the poster child of the persecuting church, right? He was, the, he was the one that was out there doing all the work. And now he was being turned against. In fact, we see in Acts chapter 9, verse 22, Paul was growing more and more powerful. And he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah, And then dropping down to verse 29, it says he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. His commitment, his power, his zeal that the Holy Spirit was given to him was evident in his preaching and his teaching in all the areas. He was becoming spiritual resilient, spiritually resilient because he was now operating under the power of Jesus in his life and in the power in truth. I think sometimes it's easy for some Christians, and, and I think some of us, uh, or, or those people who are outside the church, would look at Christianity and say, oh, I'm going to Christian, you know, become a Christian, and, and life is going to be easy. Well, becoming a Christian doesn't always become easy. It becomes great. It becomes amazing. It becomes wonderful. It becomes freeing. It's definitely the best decision you can ever make in your entire life, but it isn't always easy. It's good. But it's not always easy. It means that it's going to cost us everything. It's going to cost us our life potentially. And it's definitely going to cost us our will. We have to surrender our will over to God's will, to God's care. We have to do this continuously, continuously. Well, persecution is bound to break up, bound to break out if you go around confronting evil and darkness in this world persecution will take place because evil and darkness does not like having the light shine on it for what it is. It will fight back. It will seek to destroy you. And people who are affected by evil and darkness will seek to destroy you as well. But like I just mentioned before, those people who used to affiliate with you before your conversion calling to Jesus Christ might be the very ones who turn against you. And they were certainly the ones that turned against the Apostle Paul, turned their back against him, and began persecuting Paul now as well. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 29, we hear just how much Paul faced. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and I have toiled and I have gone without sleep and I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is not led into sin and that I do not inwardly burn? Paul had such a drive and such an understanding of his mission and his compulsion to preach the good news of Jesus Christ that his focus was his driving force, the Holy Spirit giving him the vision and the mission to accomplish what he had been set out for, allowed him to endure all these difficult experiences 
And that is what it means to have spiritual resiliency, to be able to cope and come out stronger on the other side, to deal with adversity and difficulty, and to continue to cling to Jesus Christ. Like I mentioned last week, I don't know how many of us can possibly know how well we will do and how strong our spiritual core is when adversity and difficulty comes our way. None of us can really truly know but we don't wait and start building that spiritual core in our life and start learning the tools to cling to the Holy Spirit, to ask God for help in our circumstances. We don't wait until difficulty starts. We start building that understanding now. Well, spoiler alert, right? I've been watching Alaskan bush people on Discovery Plus. You're probably like wondering, like, what's this slide for, Right? I've been watching Alaskan Bush people on Discovery Plus. Anybody ever watch this show? Uh, all right, hey, there's a few of you. First, first service, there was many, like just my family, and that was you know, basically it. But it follows this family in uh, remote Alaska. And uh, it's a very peculiar, unique family that is out living uh, out in the middle of nowhere. No electricity, you know, no running water, nothing like this. And they're, they're just surviving and they're, and they're trying to thrive as they build their, their hometown or this town for their family. And man, it's like they get hit with one thing after another. It's, it's like you're watching, it's like them on the struggle bus the entire and the entire time, like, they, they, their boat sinks early on in, in, like, the first season or two, right? Spoiler alert, if you're ever going to watch this, right? I'm just going to give you a synopsis of the first eight seasons, right? So, like, their boat sinks. They don't have a boat anymore. They've got to figure out what to do. There, there's constant bear attacks. Bears are constantly destroying their stuff. Their mom has, like, issues with her mouth, like her teeth, and she's got to go in and get surgery done. And then she ends up developing stage three cancer. She's got that to deal with. Then their son becomes an alcoholic, and then as he's left there behind the homestead to take care of everything while they're out in California, like, he, he develops, like, some kind of bomb to, to, to scare the bears away, but it goes off early, and it blows off back of his head, and he has to get, like, nine staples in his head, and then, like, they move to, they move to Southern California in the city, and they've grown up in Alaska where it's cold all the time, they're miserable, they're hot, and they're having to deal, and, and having to watch their mom go through this cancer and, and chemotherapy, and treatment for that. And man, it's like, how much more can these people endure? And then they have to sell their whole property, Alaskan bush people, the whole reason the show was even started for them to develop a town in Alaska. They have to sell that. They go and try to buy a property in Colorado. That falls apart. Then they go to Washington state. And then they have to deal with forest fires and flooding. And then they're rebuilding their entire, it's like, man, how much more can these people deal with? It's like a train wreck every time. It's like an episode. And I'm only halfway through all the seasons. And I think, man, I look at their life, and it, it isn't really until about season six or seven that you start to hear about their faith in God. And then you start to realize, oh, this is probably why they have the strength to continue. And I look at their life, and I look at the Apostle Paul's life, and I think, man, if God can sustain them, why, why can't God sustain me? And the answer is, God can, but will I let God sustain me? Have I allowed myself to press into God during difficult times? Have I learned to press into God during those times of celebration and good times? When the Apostle Paul describes what he has been going through, 
And verse 28 says, look, besides everything else, I have the daily concern and pressure for all the churches. His mission and his focus is so bent on what God has called him to that he's resolute. He knows his purpose. He knows that he can only go through it with God's help and God's strength. And he has compassion and a good pastor understands his people's needs, their spiritual core, their needs of, of what they have and what they don't have. And he walks alongside of them and he learns compassion. And that's where I need to grow as well, is in compassion and empathy. But similar to Moses, the apostle Paul begins being persecuted by his own people. And so you heard all the things that had happened to him. And similarly, when Moses says no to God and he gives them all kinds of excuses of why he can't go and speak to the Pharaoh and, and lead his people out of Egypt, right? There's setbacks. Well, Paul also has something going on in his life, which we read earlier today, and that was this thorn in his flesh, this messenger of Satan that was to keep him from becoming too boastful. So instead, Paul learns to begin boasting of his weakness, recognizing that his, the power is made perfect in weakness. God's power in his life is made perfect in weakness. Well, in the conclusion of the letter to uh, the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, Paul finally explains to all of us of why he can continue enduring and going through all of this. So in chapter 12, verse 10, he says, This is why, for God, Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul's resiliency and really all of our resiliency in our spiritual cores is not any answers that we have in ourselves. And that's the lie that society tells us. Just find that inner strength. Find that inner, you know, whatever you got to do in yourself to get you through. And the answers aren't in us. The answers are external. They're through Jesus Christ. And that's how we build our spiritual resiliency. We look outward, not inward. Now, certainly the Holy Spirit lives within us, and so I'd have to go back and rewrite all this. But anyway, you know, see what I'm saying, right? The answers are not in yourself. You don't have it, but only Jesus does. Our endurance, our strength, our ability to face adversity when difficult times happen, this is spiritual resiliency, relying on Christ. And I don't always do this well. In fact, I mess up way more times than I succeed. But it's the constant learning. It's the development. It's the exercising. Right? If, we, if we never exercise that part of our life, it's just going to not have any strength at all. So we have to push in. We have to keep trying. And Paul was not perfect in this either. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, well, he didn't write the New Testament. He wrote a bunch of letters that got included in the New Testament, right? But the Apostle Paul talked about his own struggle in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 20, which is the, the first part of what was read earlier. He says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Soul is a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. You see, the Apostle Paul knew the struggles that we go through today. We can read this today, and maybe some of us can read this and and, and see and hear this and say, wow, that's my life, Paul. I get it. That's exactly what I'm dealing with. And Paul knew the struggle of those whom he was leading, and the church in Rome was struggling with this as well. We don't have the answers within ourselves. The, the, The answers are external. You see, when we turn to God and we ask God for help and assistance, It keeps us from making poor choices, uh, doing uh, morally damaging things in our lives and in other people's lives. So like when temptations come in 1 Corinthians 10.13, or when we decide to strike the rock rather than speaking to the rock, that had consequences to it. So the Apostle Paul continues in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27, and he gives insight to how we can rely on God even when we don't always know what the answers are going to be or even know what to ask for. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people according to the will of God. Prayer is key in a constant conversation and communing with God back and forth that God desires to hear from us during great times and in times of difficulty. The Apostle Paul had his life completely changed on that road to Damascus. And once Paul realized who Jesus truly was, He started following Christ with all of his heart because he experienced adversity. And he had experienced a lot of adversity as well later on. And this helped strengthen him even more. He didn't avoid difficulty. He didn't avoid adversity. He embraced it. He embraced it. So sometimes it takes time for us to get to a place to where God can really work on us, work on our heart. I don't think it's a coincidence that it took 40 years for the Hebrew people to learn this lesson as they wandered in the wilderness before God brought them into the land that he had promised. It took 40 years for them to learn complete dependency on God for all things. And sometimes we need to be taught as well. We need to be willing to open our hearts and our minds to God for strength during the most difficult times of our lives. And so I'll ask you this question, have you reached your breaking point yet? Have you been at a point to where you have no other choice but to turn to God? Or are you still holding on to things? Uh, Pastor uh, Jim Kennington in Lakeview, Washington, which was the church that my wife and I attended while we were stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, he said this, he said, the most bold prayer that you can possibly pray is to ask God to break you. Nobody wants to be broken, and it's going to be the most difficult, arduous thing that you might ever have to go to, but to pray that prayer, the most bold prayer you can possibly pray, you will experience a level of depth in your spiritual life, in your relationship with God, that you'll be able to know his love and his compassion, his grace and his freedom in a much deeper way than you ever could if you'd just be willing to ask him to break you. I'm like, I don't know. 
It's like, who wants to be broken? None of us do. So I don't want it to take 40 years for me either to learn a lesson because I don't know how I'm going to respond when extremely difficult things can happen or what will happen. I'm going to close with James chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 5. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work in you. Let, let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God wants to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God wants to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, so let's just stop trying. We can just go to God first and foremost. We need to stop trying to avoid adversity and try to find the easy way out and sometimes embrace hardship and in difficulty as a blessing in our lives. And we need to teach our kids and allow our kids to go through those experiences as well and stop trying to save them from every pitfall that's out there. Let them fail. Let them experience those difficult and trying times in their life. But continue to be there with them as they learn to cling to God. And they're looking to you as an example. Don't wait until you're a time of crisis before you start building this part of your life. Go to God now. Build the skills now to begin exercising your spiritual fitness in a way, right? Your, your spiritual fitness. And don't wait until it's too late and you're experiencing a depth of crisis that you can't seem to get through before you start learning to turn to God. And lastly, we got to teach these practices and spiritual disciplines to our kids because they will face life and life is going to smack them around a lot. We want them to be able to have the skills to go through that when it comes. So how are we doing with this? Are any of us going to ask God to break us? Yeah, it's a difficult thing to do. But it might be something that maybe we do need to do. Jesus is the solution. Will we allow Jesus to be the solution? Let's pray. God, in your infinite wisdom, love, grace, and mercy, we do recognize our, our shortcomings. God, we, we mess up day in and day out. We sin, we turn to ourselves, we rely on our own understanding, and we avoid you or we don't go to you at all. We exhaust every other option except you. And God, it just leaves us feeling broken and empty inside. So God, I humbly ask uh, that you would open our hearts, our minds to receiving you, to building those skills now to learn to go to you when times are wonderful and when times are difficult so that we can have those skills when more adversity comes. God, you are preparing us for more. And so we cling to you. We praise you. Amen.